Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Paul Lucas, the former president and CEO of GlaxoSmithKline, for 16 years, uh, Mr. Lucas led the pharmaceutical giant in this country. And when I say we've developed a relationship, it's purely professional. There's no money changing hands or not even any vaccines changing, changing hands. Bad joke. Mr. Lucas, how are you? I'm good, Roy. How are you? I'm great. Thanks very much for taking the time to talk to us. No problem. Happy to do it. Let's start with this, because this is the headline story across North America. And uh, and beyond, and it has to do with lifting vaccine patent protection. U.S. President Joe Biden is suggesting that. It's been uh, followed and supported by uh, various numbers of governments around the world. Germany hasn't, but Canada is on the fence. What is this issue about? Let's start, first of all, what's the issue about to the pharmaceutical company How's the, or, or industry? How's the pharmaceutical industry reacting to this? Mm-hmm. So just to put it in perspective as to what uh, what this is all about is that um, the vaccines that have been developed by the companies that everybody knows well by now, uh, they're protected by intellectual property rights. Uh, so that gives them the opportunity to manufacture and sell these for a period of time uh, exclusively. And, and that exists because they invested a lot of money to develop them and taken a lot of risk and so on. So that's the principle of protecting that intellectual property. Uh, in in cases uh, like a pandemic that we're in, um, there is the opportunity to waive those patents in order to ensure that poorer countries get access to vaccines or medicines, whatever it might be. Um, you know, it, it's an honorable approach um, to try and do that, but in effect, this is the worst thing that could possibly happen at this point in time. Um, and for the life of me, I don't understand. I do understand why President Biden actually uh, announced that he would support the waiving of patents at the World Trade Organization. Um, you know, it's strictly a, a political issue for him at this point. I mean, he promised the left wing of the Democratic Party before he got elected that he would uh, actually make this proposal. Um, and um, interestingly enough, uh, reading the uh, editorial board from the um, Wall Street Journal, let me read it to you, <laughs> Roy, because I think it, it captures this quite nicely and why it's such a, uh, a bad idea. The editorial board of the, of the paper says, we already criticized President Biden's bewildering decision Wednesday to endorse a patent waiver for COVID vaccines and therapies. But upon more reflection, this may be the single worst presidential economic decision since Nixon's wage and price controls. In one fell swoop, he has destroyed tens of billions of dollars in U.S. intellectual property, set a destructive precedent that will reduce pharmaceutical investment, and surrendered America's advantage in biotech, a key growth industry of the future. Handed an American triumph of innovation and a great soft power opportunity, Mr. Biden throws it all away. So uh, that kind of sums it up quite nicely. Um, it's not the time to be uh, uh, waiving patents for vaccines that everybody sorely needs. Um, you know, these companies have invested a lot. And now, now that we have them, you want to take away their protection and say, well, we're going to let everybody else sell them. Um, and, and I have to ask the question, you know, what would anybody else think? 
of, of that approach if they had their own business and they were told, well, look, we're, we're going to not protect you anymore with intellectual property. We're just going to open it up and everybody can steal your innovation. So not a good move. Uh, hopefully Canada will not support that. Uh, there is talk that they, they might or they will. Um, but, you know, for Mr. Trudeau, uh, this, is a, this is a time bomb. Um, you know, if he comes out and supports Biden, which, you know, he, he is wont to do because they are kind of two peas in a pod, uh, and he wants to support Biden on most policy initiatives. If he comes out and supports him, then he's going to, you know, anger the pharmaceutical industry, which he has had no relationship with and has been begging them to help him uh, with more vaccine accessibility. So uh, not a good situation to be in. And if he doesn't support uh, Biden on this, then uh, he's going to alienate the left-wing part of his own party, which is pretty big. Yeah. So that's a long-winded answer to your question. Hopefully I answered it. No, I understand, because the question that I had when I was thinking about this particular issue was, how will pharmaceutical companies approach developing adaptive vaccines for variants going forward and booster shots going forward if patent rights are removed? Well, you, you hit the nail on the head. Um, that's absolutely right. I mean, okay, so now you're a pharmaceutical company and you're in the process of producing revised vaccines for the variants. Well, why would you do that now? Because if you have no patent cover, you have no way of, of, of covering your costs. And there's also the companies that the, the Canadian government and other government governments have put money into, like Medicago here and like uh, uh, the NRC with the Novavax deal, where they're hoping to bring vaccines into the marketplace. And why would they do that now um, if their patents are not going to be protected? Uh, they have no chance of being successful. So it, it's, it's not a smart move. And, you know, so, so what do we do? Right. What do we do to help the, the, the developing? Well, that's the question, isn't it? Because what you're going yeah. to be hearing is, look, these big pharma companies, all they want to do is make money off, off a pandemic. Right. Yeah, and that's, and that's what you do here. And we heard that through the whole HIV epidemic. Um, and the industry worked closely with governments to uh, make sure that those poor countries actually got access to very cheap HIV medication. And that's really the way to approach this. It's... Uh, first of all, the Pfizer and Moderna and AstraZeneca and J&J &J are, are producing billions of doses right now and into next year. So, in effect, they're, they're going to have billions of doses for the world. Um, but they are also licensing other companies to produce more vaccine. And that's really the, the way to approach this. Encourage them uh, to allow other companies to produce their vaccines uh, not by taking away their patent protection, by, but by having some sort of commercial relationship. And then the government should take a role in this. Uh, the government should be buying those vaccines and then donating them to those countries. And, you know, COVAX already exists. They could put more of those vaccines into COVAX. Um, you know, Mr. Trudeau has bought uh, 400 million doses of vaccine, which we don't need. He said that he's going to donate those to other countries. So there is the opportunity to address this problem without basically stealing innovation from the companies who brought us what is in the history of the world, miracles. They really have, and 
um, you know, th- this really is a miracle what they've been able to okay. do to bring these vaccines to the world. How important is the time frame issued by a pharmaceutical company concerning maximum efficacy of a vaccine the company produced? So when Pfizer says three weeks, 21 days, and Nasi comes forward and says four months, how do you react? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um, it's a difficult one because that that decision was driven by the fact that we never had enough vaccines in Canada. So it forces people to make these kinds of decisions. So um, clearly, uh, when a when a, a vaccine or a drug goes through the regulatory review process, uh, it is reviewed based on the clinical data that is developed through the extensive clinical trials. And that's what gets approved. So that three or four week uh, interval for uh, Pfizer and Moderna, that's the way those those vaccines were studied. And that's the way they should be used. There is no there is really no scientific evidence to support uh, doing anything different. Now, um, groups like NASI have recommended, you know, a four-month uh, four-month gap or an interval. They have done that in other situations with other vaccines in the past in Canada. They do that based on their academic experience and so on, uh, but they don't do it on any firm scientific evidence. Uh, which always amazed me that they would be willing to do that. Um, but again, you know, it, it comes back to the fact that there, you know, the federal government did not uh, acquire enough vaccines early enough, and it forced these kinds of decisions. Now, you know, we won't know for another while whether or not that decision uh, was a good one or a bad one. Um, so. Uh, very difficult when we get forced into non-scientific uh, decisions like this. But the pharmaceutical company has a reason for providing a timeline. Absolutely. And, um, you know, if uh, I know when I was working in the industry, um, and, and if it, particularly if you're working in the U.S. with their judicial system there, if, if an industry individual were to promote or recommend anything other than what was approved by the FDA, uh, there are jail sentences associated with that. You cannot do that. Uh, it is against the law, and it is against the law in Canada as well to uh, promote anything other than what is in the approved product monograph of the product. Mm. So you will never hear Pfizer or Moderna or the other companies say, yeah, it's probably okay to uh, have a four-month interval. They will never say that because there is no data in their uh, clinical monograph to support that. The uh, United States has vaccinated about 110 million people. That's both jabs, one-third of the population. Mm. Canada has vaccinated both jabs, just under 3% of the national population, or just under a million people. Would you speak again, please, to the fact that Canada has vaccine-producing capability, which the federal government insists we do not. NuVax uh, uh, president, Dr. Donald Gerson, has been on this program and recently saying that foreign governments are approaching his company with the idea of having NuVax prepare vaccination, vaccines for their countries. Meanwhile, well, in Canada, yeah. there's no interest. Yeah, it, it, this has all been extremely frustrating, um, and it goes back to what we talked about a number of weeks ago. Uh, but, but first of all, to your data, yeah, I mean, I worry about the fact that uh, Canadians are getting excited about the fact that we've, you know, everybody's getting one shot, you know, soon. But as you say, less than five percent have gotten two shots. We rank something like 80th in the world on that uh, on that piece of data. 
So, you know, I, I hope Canadians don't have an expectation that things are going to open up soon because they shouldn't and won't open up until people have had, you know, a significant proportion of the population has two doses and they're two weeks past those two doses. So that we've got a long way to go yet. So, um, you know, that's a risky situation. People thinking that, oh, well, you know, in another month or two, we're going to we're going to really be in great shape because we won't be. Um, but, um yeah, coming back to uh, you were talking about you were asking me about. Sorry, I forgot the point you wanted me. Well, to we're about. we're asking about the uh, Canada's cap- capacity. Canadian companies have right. the capacity to produce vaccines. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, that has been frustrating because you know from the from the get go, the the Trudeau government, the Liberal government's uh, past had no relationship with the pharmaceutical industry. So they they knew nothing about what was going on in the industry what Canada's capabilities were in terms of vaccine production. They didn't know anybody to talk to. And in fact, um, you know, the relationship was so bad that uh, the heads of four or five major pharmaceutical companies, global heads, CEOs, asked for a meeting with the prime minister three or four times over the last couple of years, and he actually refused to meet with them. Uh, He didn't even respond to their requests. So, there was no relationship there. The Liberal Party of Canada and the Prime Minister's office knew nothing about what was going on in Canada with respect to vaccines. And so, you know, they, they didn't know what to do. And so they were late in uh, contracting with other co- companies. They missed the fact that there were a couple of other companies like Providence and Nuvax in Canada that might have been able to produce vaccines for Canada. So the whole thing, as I said, you know, very frustrating, the result of bad planning, bad contracting, no relationships. Um, you know, and I, I, I haven't been happy because I hear Mr. Trudeau standing up apologizing to every group that's ever existed in the country, uh, lately the Italians, uh, during World War II. But he's never apologized to Canadians for making the mistakes that they made uh, in this whole pandemic, which has been the biggest issue we faced as a country since World War II, and he consistently blames others for the problem. Like, we don't have vaccine manufacturing. Well, they were wrong from the get-go on that. Um, you know, and that's how I got involved. Okay. In well, Mr. Lucas, yeah, I, I'm sorry, I have to stop you there because of sure. the clock, only because of the clock. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.